Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 2nd of September. Across India, more than 78,000 new cases of the novel coronavirus have been detected, bringing the nation's total to over 37 lakh or 3.7 million. The death toll continued to inch closer to 70,000 with more than 1,000 new deaths. Six Indian states recorded their highest ever daily case count yesterday. These were Chhattisgarh, Haryana, Gujarat, Rajasthan, Goa and Tripura. Collated data shows that the total number of confirmed cases in the country grew by 117% in the month of August, as cases more than doubled from 1.69 million on July 31st to 3.68 million on August 31st. The month of August also accounted for 44% of all recorded COVID-19 deaths in India as 28,879 Indians lost their lives to the disease during this period. The Chief Minister of Goa, Pramod Savant, today announced that he had tested positive for coronavirus and that he is under home isolation. In a tweet, he said, and I quote, I wish to inform all that I have been detected COVID-19 positive. I am asymptomatic and hence have opted for home isolation. I shall continue to discharge my duties working from home. Those who have come in my close contact are advised to take the necessary precautions. Unquote. Following the new guidelines from the central government allowing establishments to restart in-person dining services, 600 pubs and restaurants in West Bengal reopened their bars, serving alcohol for the first time since the lockdown was imposed in March. A joint task force of public health experts from the Indian Public Health Association, the Indian Association of Preventive and Social Medicine and the Indian Association of Epidemiologists submitted an action plan to the centre to combat the escalating coronavirus crisis in which they suggested that lockdowns should be discontinued and only cluster restrictions should be imposed. The experts also cautioned against the false hope of a vaccine being launched anytime soon and called for increased expenditure on health infrastructure in the country. A report by the Indian Express today found that only 33% of free food grains allocated to migrants under the Atmanirbhar Bharat relief package have actually reached their intended beneficiaries. Using data from the Ministry of Consumer Affairs, Food and Public Distribution, the report found that although 26 out of 36 states and union territories have received 100% of the food grain allocations to them, only four have reported that they finished the distribution process before the deadline of August 31st. Meanwhile, in Tamil Nadu, a serological survey of the city of Chennai has found that one in every five people in the city may have been infected by the COVID-19 virus. The results of the survey conducted by the Greater Chennai Corporation were released on Tuesday. For more developments on the COVID-19 crisis in India and a detailed explanation of how serological surveys are conducted and why you should take the results with some skepticism, tune in to the latest episode of News Laundry Hafta, which is our weekly podcast that discusses the news of the week. In the latest episode, our panellists talk to the acclaimed health and public policy journalist Banjot Kaur. Here is a snippet from their conversation. There has really not been any tracking. A, we do not even know that those who, all those who attended these events, whether this was Ayodhya or whether that was that, you know, that puja in Odisha, whether all of them were even tested. Contact tracing, as you were talking about, it's almost an exercise. I won't say in complete futility, but it's it's not useful also at this moment. 
the reason being of course indian government doesn't you know accept it but we are in community transmission we, yes. we have been in community transmission for so very long now that people even don't discuss this term now it's, it's a given that we are in community transmission if i am infected then you may have to trace back say 70 or 100 people and if 70000 people are coming you know if 70000 people are positive every day how on earth will you do contact this Pediatrician Dr Kafil Khan was released from Mathura jail at midnight following an order yesterday by the Allahabad High Court clearing him of the charges under the stringent National Security Act. The court asked the Uttar Pradesh government to release Khan immediately saying that any extension of his detention is illegal. Dr Kafil Khan was arrested on January 29th and granted bail in the case by the court in Aligarh district on February 10th. However, he was not released from Mathura jail. Instead, the NSA was invoked against him 3 days later and his detention continued. Khan allegedly made a provocative speech during an open talk event at Aligarh Muslim University during a protest on December 12th against the CAA. Sophologist Yogendra Yadav was the other speaker at the event. Referring to Union Minister Amit Shah, Dr. Kafil had said in his speech that Mota Bhai teaches us to become Hindu or Muslim but not human beings. The complaint also alleged that in his speech he had said that schools run by the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh teach children that people with beards are terrorists. The High Court yesterday said that Khan's speech does not disclose any effort to promote hatred or violence. Upon his release, Khan made a sarcasm-filled speech in which he said, and I quote, "I am thankful to the judiciary which has given an excellent order which has clearly said that my speech was not to incite violence, and lastly to the special task force who did not encounter me, who did not kill me while bringing me from Mumbai to Mathura." Unquote. He also mocked Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath, saying that he was doing a bal hut, which in English means to be stubborn like a child. Khan also said that he is preparing to help flood victims in Bihar and Assam now. In August 2017, after an alleged shortage of oxygen in a government-run hospital in Gorakhpur in Uttar Pradesh, 63 children had died. Khan, who was a pediatrician in the same hospital, had been suspended soon after. He was jailed for 9 months after a criminal case of medical negligence, corruption and dereliction of duty was filed against him. Two years later, a state government investigation had not just absolved Dr. Kafil Khan of all the charges against him, but also commended him for doing everything in his power to help save lives. The case had taken a political turn after Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath had blamed Khan for the deaths and denied that the deaths occurred due to shortage of oxygen. While most newspapers and media houses carried the news of Khan's release, the story was conspicuously missing from one of the largest Hindi dailies in India, Dainik Jagran. The newspaper through the years has been consistent in its call for the construction of the Ram Temple making it the center of the Ram Janmabhoomi movement. You can read more about it in Anand Vardhan's piece for News Laundry titled Dainik Jagran: The Steady Voice of the Ram Temple Movement. The newspaper was also one of the front runners in spreading hate against the Bligi Jamaat and blaming them for spreading COVID-19 in the country. In a recent hearing of the cases against the foreign members of the Tablighi Jamaat, the court had said that they had been made scapegoats and had also called out the propaganda against them in the media. Our reporter Ayush had also filed another report last year detailing how the newspaper had carried a highly misleading and inflammatory article about love jihad. It is titled "The Bogus Love Jihad of Dainik Jagran," and you'll find the report on newslaundry.com. 
NDTV reported today that the PM Cares Fund received 3,076 crore rupees or 420 million US dollars in just the first five days of its existence. This data was sourced from a government audit statement uploaded to the PM Cares website. However, the audit statement is largely incomplete and it refers to six additional documents with full information, but those documents cannot be found on the website. In addition, data of the donations to the fund for any time following these five days is not available to the public. Former Finance Minister and member of the Indian National Congress, P. Chidambaram, responded to the release of these documents with a series of tweets. He said, and I quote, The names of these generous donors will not be revealed. Why? Every other NGO or trust is obliged to reveal the name of donors contributing more than a threshold amount. Why is the PM Cares Fund exempt from this obligation? The donee is known. The trustees of the donee are known. Why are the trustees afraid to reveal the names of the donors? Do read Vivek Call's piece about corporate donations to the PM Cares Fund. It is titled, How Come Companies Have Money for PM Cares Fund But Not For Their Own Staff? In the previous episode of Daily Dose, we had reported how a 19-year-old Dalit boy had died in police custody on August 30th in the Raibareli district of Uttar Pradesh. As of yesterday, three policemen were suspended in connection with the incident, including the station house officer of the Lalganj police station. The boy had been brought to the police station for questioning following the arrest of four persons in connection with the bike theft racket. Under puzzling circumstances, he had died two days later after he was taken to a hospital. Although the police claimed initially that the boy had fallen sick and died in the hospital, his mother wrote a complaint to a senior police officer alleging that her son had died due to police torture. Three days ago on Sunday, Lalganj Station House Officer Harishankar Prajapati was suspended. Yesterday, sub-inspectors J.P. Yadav and Arvind Maurya, who were named in the mother's complaint, were also suspended. A police inquiry found that the five detainees, including the dead boy, were illegally kept at the police station for over 24 hours. Despite this finding, an FIR has still not been registered. Some of you may know about News Laundry Sena, which is an initiative by News Laundry that encourages our readers and listeners to fund the stories that they want to hear. Our most recent News Laundry Sena project is about India's custodial deaths. The brutal killing of P. J. Raj and his son J. Benix in Tamil Nadu has brought the spotlight back on custodial deaths in India. As per a recent report, India saw, on an average, five custodial deaths every day in 2019. This investigative story will ask, why is it such an endemic problem? What is being done to fix it? And why do the police get away with murdering people in their custody? The reason News Laundry is able to pursue important narratives such as this one is because of the support we receive from you, our listeners and readers. We solely rely on your support to continue our journalism. Although the News Laundry Sena project on custodial deaths is already funded and is being written as we speak, I request you to extend to us your consistent support by becoming a News Laundry subscriber today. As all of you know, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free news platform because we believe when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served. But when the public pays, the public is served. Opposition parties today criticised new regulations proposed by the central government for the upcoming monsoon session of the Indian Parliament. The monsoon session is scheduled to begin from September 14th and conclude on October 1st. The new regulations stipulate that the question hour and private members' business segments of the parliamentary sessions will be cancelled on account of COVID-19. 
The question R, which is normally the first R in the House, allows any member of the parliament to directly ask the government questions. Sashi Tharoor, who represents the Thiruvananthapuram constituency in Kerala, responded to these changes by saying, and I quote, Questioning the government is the oxygen of parliamentary democracy. This government seeks to reduce the parliament to a notice board and uses its crushing majority as a rubber stamp for whatever it wants to pass. The one mechanism to promote accountability has now been done away with. Unquote. Rajya Sabha member Derek O'Brien too accused the BJP of using the pandemic as an excuse to murder democracy. The leader of the Congress in the parliament, Adhir Ranjan Chaudhary, sent a letter to the Speaker of the House, Om Birla, marking his protest and asking for these new regulations to be withdrawn. And now for some international updates. As of today, more than 25.8 million people worldwide have been infected by the coronavirus so far. In excess of 17 million of these cases have recovered, though at least 860,000 people have lost their lives to the disease. In the United States, the Trump administration said today that it will not join the global effort to develop, manufacture and equitably distribute a coronavirus vaccine for all of humanity. 170 countries, including the world's major economies, are in talks to become participants in the effort. The Trump administration said that their decision stems from the fact that the World Health Organization is leading the combined vaccine effort. Despite the U.S. being one of the world's largest contributors to the WHO, President Trump has repeatedly criticized the organization, placing a freeze on further funding of the organization in April and signaling intent to withdraw entirely in July. Speaking about the decision, J. Stephen Morrison, director of the Global Health Policy Center at the Center of Strategic and International Studies, said, and I quote, This just shows how awkward, contradictory and self-defeating all of this is. For the U.S. to terminate its relationship with the WHO in the middle of a pandemic is going to create an endless stream of self-defeating moments. Unquote. Many countries are already experiencing a possible second wave of coronavirus infections. There has been a surge in cases in the Ukraine with a record 2,495 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. In response, the government extended lockdown measures until the end of October to contain the recent spike. As the virus continues to take its toll on the Americas, Mexico today passed 600,000 cases, while Colombia has racked up more than 20,000 deaths. In more positive news, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced today that public schools in the city will resume classes on September 21st. This marks a significant recovery milestone for the city, which was originally one of the worst affected by the virus. The central Chinese city of Wuhan, where the virus first emerged last year, also opened schools and kindergartens for the first time in seven months. Nearly 1.4 million students resumed classes at some 2,800 kindergartens, primary and middle schools across the city. The French magazine Charlie Hebdo today decided to mark the beginning of a terror trial over the devastating 2015 attack on their offices by reprinting the same controversial cartoons depicting the Prophet Muhammad that had caused widespread outrage. The editorial team of the magazine said that the cartoons were now a part of history and, and I quote, history cannot be rewritten nor can it be erased, unquote. The team said that reproducing these caricatures this week seemed essential. In January 2015, the headquarters of Charlie Hebdo in Paris was attacked by two gunmen affiliated to the Al-Qaeda terrorist organization. Armed with rifles and other weapons, they killed 12 people and injured at least 11 others.
Several related attacks followed, including a siege of a supermarket two days later, in which an ISIS terrorist held 19 hostages and murdered four Jewish people. In the weeks following the Charlie Hebdo attack, approximately 2 million people and more than 40 world leaders met in Paris for a rally of national unity and millions more joined demonstrations across France. In an editorial accompanying the republication of the cartoons, the director of Charlie Hebdo wrote, and I quote, We will never lie down. We will never give up. Unquote. United States President Donald Trump on Tuesday stoked another controversy when he visited the violence-hit city of Kenosha in Wisconsin and claimed that domestic terror was responsible for the racial violence and protests that have occurred there in the last one week. Kenosha saw days of protests after the police shot Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man, in front of his children and left him paralyzed. The incident occurred when police officers were trying to arrest Blake initially using a taser. In a video recorded by a bystander, a police officer fired seven shots into Blake's back. The protests turned violent two days after the incident when two protesters were killed and one injured in a shooting. A 17-year-old right-wing empathizer called Kyle Rittenhouse has been arrested and charged with murdering the protesters. During his visit, Trump did not bother to visit the victim, Jacob Blake, or his family. He also made a speech in which he defended the police, saying that they were under tremendous pressure and choked sometimes. Tony Evers, Wisconsin's governor, had asked Trump to stay away from Kenosha, telling him in a letter that his presence would worsen the situation. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.